On the line right now joining us from a very sunny Brentwood today is uh, none other than Mr Barry Hearn. Barry, welcome to 98 No Doubt. Thank you, yeah, great to be here. Many thanks. First of all, we must ask, how are you? Because we know you had some health problems uh, a couple of months back. Yeah, I'm fine. Listen, uh, four days, uh, four days of inconvenience, which uh, I felt a bit embarrassed about because all the problems in the world, you don't want to worry about some old geezer like me. Um, but they stuck a couple of stents in. Basildon cardiac unit were brilliant. And the the good news is, if you ever get locked up there, they're all wonderful people. But the apple crumble and custard <laughs> is a different class. So I'm back to I'm back to fighting fit, mate, and uh, living the dream as always. But uh, thank you for your concern. It's really no problem, Barry. It's good to see sport returning after lockdown. Uh, Darts was quite quick off feet, though, wasn't it, with the uh, PDC's home tour? Yeah, I mean that was 32 days initially, and now we're into the final 11 days of that. That finishes on Friday this week, and it's been great because it brings us a bit of live sport. The quality, technical quality, is not as good as we're used to, mm. but the players have been outstanding. They've really got involved in it, and it's given us, you know, as we say, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. It's, at least it's given us some live sport to watch. And, of course, that's now been followed up with Championship League snooker, which started on Monday on ITV4 and runs for 11 days as well. So I've got a seven-hour day fix. You know, I think all of us that love sport, any sport, it's almost like a drug, isn't it? We, we, you know, we, we become addicted to sport. And it's only when we haven't got any yeah. that we suddenly realise what we're missing. And I'm looking, you know, I'm 72 in June. And I kept, I kept telling all my pals at East Anningfield Cricket Club, one more season, one more season, you know. And now I'm like, this might be my last season and, and I haven't had the bat out yet. So it, it does, it fixes the mind on what we get used to and how much we miss it when it's not there. We take it for granted. And so in a way, it's almost beneficial because when it does come back, it's like the return of a new love affair, you know. It's uh, wonderful, isn't it? I think it really has hit home to everyone how much... Um Sport does play a part in their lives, you know, even if you're an avid fan or just a casual sort of observer. Of course, and the community as well, you know, and young people. Sport is aspirational. Sport is probably individually the best thing for the mental health of a nation. Nothing, nothing other than a world war unites a country as much as major sports or sports involvement. You know, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, fat, thin, young, old, man, woman... We become one for that one moment in time, unified behind a sports contest that brings the nation together. And, and this terrible pandemic has, in a way, brought the nation together. And, and I think sport can, can pick up that mantle when we're allowed back. And it seems to be slowly easing and we're all getting very excited that... Yeah. You know, something that we really love is coming back to us, and, and we've missed it. How do you see it returning um, without the crowds, or, you know, is there going to be a gentle feedback? Yeah, I, of think, I think there was a three... For me, in my business, I mean, I have 650 event days a year to organise globally, so suddenly I'm the world's... One of the world, if not the world's biggest event company uh, with no events. It's not a good not a good career sign, is it? You know, so <laughs> you start being creative, and phase one was... What can we do from people's homes that, that give us sport? And we did the BDC darts at home. Phase two is within government guidelines and making sure health and safety is paramount. Um, what can we do behind closed doors without a crowd? I think we are getting towards phase three, which is quite exciting, where limited crowds will be available, possibly within some form of social distancing. And I would think within the next month or so, 
as the pubs open, there's there's less of an argument to say you can't go to your local football club, you can't go to your local cricket club, yeah. providing you're sensible and common sense. And also, as, as, they, as the phrase is, we're governed by science, aren't we? You know, if this dreadful pandemic starts to look as if it's coming back, all bets are off. So we've got to be sensible. But at the same time, the government, you know, we're, we're dealing with the Minister of Sport all the time. And they are giving us good guidelines and we're following those. And if anything, like the snooker that's on at the moment is probably the most perfect safety system anywhere in the world for sportsmen. Yeah. Because yeah. we've created a bubble where once you're in the bubble to play, you're tested in isolation. You're not allowed out of the bubble until you've been beaten. So literally everybody in there is clean and the, and the, uh, the venue is sanitised, etc. Even the cleaning staff and the kitchen staff have all, are all in isolation, have so, all been tested negative. So that's it, in Milton Keynes, isn't it? That's in Milton Keynes. But that's an, that's over, in, in many ways it's overkill, but you can't be safe enough, can yeah, you? Yeah. So as, a, as over the next month, I think we'll see, hopefully, if the figures go right, a general loosening of the lockdown, which will involve crowds to a limited extent. And as the government has said, whether we agree or disagree with government, the common sense approach is step by step. And hopefully, come September, October, we're getting back to some type of normality. But as I say, we'll be led by the figures. Uh, Barry, you're well known for snooker, darts, boxing, fishing, and amongst other things, but you have an absolute passion for the game of cricket, don't you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've played my whole life. I, I got reasonable without being great, which is the story of my life in any, <laughs> in any sport. Um, but it's the excitement, the anticipation, the challenge, all those things, the camaraderie of a team. And, and in, within Essex, I've enjoyed... I think I started at 12 years old and I'm 72. So I've enjoyed 60 years of cricket. Played, I've been blessed to play with some great players. I've had some great matches. I've played at all sorts of levels. And I'm now down to East Anningfield second 11. And I get excited for the entire week when I'm playing on the Saturday. There's a big debate in the world of cricket at the moment about red ball or white ball cricket. Mm -hmm. um, those of us that were sort of brought up on primarily on red ball... Um, I think what lockdown has shown is that white ball cricket, T20 cricket, is vital for the survival of the game as a whole. I think without that, we're not going to get um, the county championship and maybe the, all the yeah, I'm always I'm always annoyed with myself because I like to think I'm smart and I like to think I'm first out of the block. I missed... 2020, you know, that should have been mine. It's such yeah, a good idea. It's very it's, similar to the dance, isn't it? It's very similar. To, it's got the same feeling of world-class sport played in a party atmosphere or at least a convivial atmosphere. Yeah. You know, people that are not normally drawn to the sport go. So you establish a new market, a new audience, a different demographic. And these are all so important because the traditionalists of yesterday, I mean, we all, I'm a traditionalist, I'm a Red Bull man, but you know what, if white ball's better for the sport that I profess to love, then I'll go white ball. And, you know, I think we've got to take the bigger picture. What brings in the kids? What entertains the fans? What rewards the players? Put those three things together and you've got a vibrant sport. So, Barry, do you see the 100 being a success if it actually gets launched? I think it's a real tough one, and I always admire creativity. I think it's fundamental change. I won't say it won't be a success, and I think it should be encouraged. I think the day you stop trying something new, you go backwards. Mm. So I say give it a chance. You know, I think it's going to take two or three years to become embedded into the cricket society, and that's not going to come easily. 
but it's something new and I never ever criticise people that take a chance on something new because they are the innovators that save sport and the world as we know it. Could, oh, I suppose they haven't, but could the ECB talk to you about how, you know, you've been successful in rebranding snooker, darts, other sports as well? Could, could they approach you and talk to you about it? And what we've, you, had, what we've, had lots of con- we've had lots of conversations over the years. In the old days, they were very, I found them very conservative, very risk aversive. So we never really hit it off. Latterly, they've become a little bit more professionalised. I'm a specialist in the commercialisation of sports. So a lot of people talk to me. But I have one big weakness. I'm a control freak. <laughs> you know, I have to own things. I don't work for people. I'm I'm so convinced in myself that I know the way forward. And if I say it modestly, generally I'm right. Mm-hmm. It's tough for other people to work with me because it's sort of like my way or the highway. And that doesn't appeal to the blazers or the traditionalists involved. Yeah. Or indeed those commercial people that mistakenly think they can do it better than me he said modestly (laughs) but you know the big problem with me is i like to be a benevolent despot so i'm I'm a passionate about the game it's not just about the money but it is about the money it's about making sport bigger and the only way you can do that is by making more money for the sport and for the people that play it do you think there are lessons to be learned from what india have done over the last few years in terms of they took the t20 concept and then gave it a huge steroid injection to make it the IPL and the, and the knock-on effect it had. And when you look yeah, at that I, tournament... I, I, mean, think it, I think the lesson is there. And the lesson is built on aspiration of individuals that want to be owners or people that want to be fans of a particular club. It's bit on the football model. And the 100 has taken some of those lessons with it, hasn't it? So the idea of franchising is not new to sport. It's somewhat disappointing if you lose the community feel... You know, I'm an Essex fan. I'm an Essex man. I was born in Dagenham when it was Essex. Yeah. Uh, you know, I live in Brentwood. I've spent my life in Buckhurst Hill and Ongar. So I played my cricket in Essex. So the first result I look for is Essex Cricket Club. And I, did, I still can't have a bit of difficulty in getting my name around there. T20 name, you know. As far as I'm concerned, is Essex. And I'm proud to be Essex. <laughs> and I'm proud of them. So... I'm not necessarily the new market that I would be looking for if I was them. You know, we're looking for the kids to come up and develop yeah. a whole different fan culture. And, and I'm sure they will in time, which is why I think that the, I, you know, the IPL system works. And I think it's probably the future of, of major events. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see. But it doesn't fit on everything. It doesn't fit on tennis, for example. It doesn't fit yet on darts or snooker. I don't think it necessarily fits on rugby, but that's probably the next one that you'd think about doing something on that basis with. So these are interesting times and there are changeable times. And after pandemic, there'll be more changes because people are going to be under a huge amount of financial pressure because none of them have got sufficient reserves to counter a pandemic, which is a a flawed business strategy. But they're going to have to dig their way out of it and the future will be more social media-led young market led um, but there's going to be some hiccups on the way because the effects of this pandemic are going to be felt in sport for the next 12 to 18 months sounds like from what you're saying there needs to be a break in the um stuffed blazer culture with certain sports and you know you oh so many of them are so bad i yeah. can't tell you i drive my drive me crazy i mean i i never criticize the people wearing the blazers because 
without doubt, most of them have a real passion for their sport, mm. but it's just built on out-of-date principles. Yeah. You know, and, and they love their sport so much that they can't physically get themselves around to moving with the times, whereas a renegade comes in, you know, you'd have to say, like, you know, Packer did, for example, with cricket in Australia, and just said, no, we're not going to do something because we've always done it that way. We're going to move with the times. And, and that was the beginning of the commercialisation of the sport, really, looking back on it. So Blazers in lots of sports are to be respected for the passion they have for the sport and to be retired for their commercial exploitation opportunities because they just can't. And they will eventually hold the sport back. They're not, they're not really, they're so in love with their sport, which is, as I say, commendable. They don't believe, they don't understand that to be successful, they have to create heroes they have to reward those people at a level that make them aspirational targets for other youngsters to follow in their footsteps. Yeah. And, you know, we are all led today by the big names in sport. That why, you know, that's why we pick up a golf club when Tiger's on fire, why we pick up a tennis racket when Andy Murray wins Wimbledon. You know, we are all influenced by that. And to encourage that atmosphere where you grow that talent, the grassroots have to be fed. They have to be fed with a lot of money. So therefore, you've got to get that money from somewhere. So you better be good at the commercial exploitation or you're not going to be able to reinvest or reward. Barry, you talk about heroes. Who were your cricketing or sporting heroes oh, growing up? Well, I'm, missing, I'm a little bit older than you boys, so... I remember, I remember years ago when I was playing for Buckers Teal, I was a, I was a colt, you know, I think I was 14 years old then, was getting the odd game for the extra thirds, and we had a charity game at Buckers Teal, and they asked for volunteers to sell programs. So needless to say, you know, just to be around the place, my hand went up, and I got one of the jobs to sell programs for this big fixture. And at half-time, one of the celebs that was playing is one for your this is a pub quiz question Mario Fabrizi who was one of the actors in the army game which was an old classic comedy series on BBC mm. he hurt his finger and the skipper of Buckersteel said any of you boys brought your gear well I never went anywhere without my bag of my gear just in case so I said oh yeah Mr Greensmith I've got my gear right okay he said do you want to would you field oh absolutely I cut my arm off the field and I went out and fielded while Garfield Sobers scored 147 Ooh. and Colin Milburn rattled some past me I used to fancy I was a good fielder and then of course you go up a level don't you and you yeah. realise Colin Milburn hit a ball past me in extra cover Quite frankly, I didn't want to put my hand down. <laughs> it was going like an exercise. Right. But so memories like that is what makes the love affair with any sport. And, you know, from there I, I went on and played. I captained South Loughton first 11 for a number of years. Got my 100 wickets a season. Loved it. Loved it. Still have a soft spot for the club now. Played a bit for Loughton, then moved on, played for some Brookfield, played for Brentwood, and then, of course, moved to East Hanningfield, where I now live. And... Uh, Absolutely, it's the highlight of my day, just mixing with the community and, and enjoying a game where the standard's not great, but you still want to win. And, you know, you, you get games 
which just reminds you why you're in love with the game. I get plenty of games where I walk home and say, Barry, you are shit. You know? <laughs> and you sit down with a wife and you say, oh, and she says, how'd you do today? Don't ask, don't ask. You know? if, I get, if I get caught behind, you know, again, I'm going to kill myself. You know? but, but, but that's why. That's why we play sport, isn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah. in the early years, you dream. I played up to a reasonable standard, probably Essex 2s and... I you know, never was going to be any better than that, but it was, you know, it was okay. And now I look at myself and think, you know, I have struggle, I struggle, struggle seeing the ball, you know, yeah. and my my timing. I don't hit sixes anymore. <laughs> I, you know, I have trouble getting it off the square. Uh, but you know, but every run is like gold dust, you know, and every season is your last season. Every game is your last game, <laughs> and for that reason, you know, the love affair lives on. But it's so character building cricket, isn't it? I think I'm. A, there aren't oh, many sports that teach you how to conduct yourself, how to live your life, how to behave. I think I put it alongside golf, really. Mm -hmm. in as far as in golf, you declare a foul on yourself, or you know, you play by the rules, um, and you never you never beat golf, and you can never beat cricket. Yeah, you know, you're always going to get out at some stage, or you're always going to have a drop catch, or you're always going to bowl a ball that's not where you wanted to go. So you can never actually conquer. You can never turn in the perfect the perfect performance but you will have moments you know you'll have that six holes at golf where you go you know even a, a poor standard you know i'm i'm level par jesus i'm a good golfer you know and then of course god comes out of the clouds and goes what's this <laughs> and, and then you know someone said to me the other day they hit a dominic cummings and i went well, you hit what they said yes i hit a dominic cummings on the third i said what's that there was a long drive that went out of bounds with no penalty. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, and cricket can do that to you. It's just, you know, how many yeah. times have you felt, you know, you're getting a nervous, not that, listen, I've made two centuries in my life, so I'm not the greatest batsman in the world, but, you know, you get in the nervous 90s or you get the nervous 40s, you know, or the, the nervous single figures. And all you want to do, you know, I mean, Eddie, my son, played a lot of cricket, Essex from under 12s to under 18s. And I would go all over the country watching him. I, he toured, um, he toured Hong Kong, he toured Barbados, and I went everywhere. Mm. And I just, you know, you felt proud that your son was doing something, and you felt very jealous that he wasn't you doing it, you know. <laughs> and that's and that's probably the, the the pleasure we get yeah. hiding behind a sight screen when your son is playing, praying, let him get double figures, you know. And then if he made a fifty, you know, that joy of driving home, you, you know, yeah. those sort of things are synonymous with sport that is more than just a pastime it's a way of life barry thank you very much for your time and joining us here on 98 it's been a great pleasure talking <laughs> absolutely to you absolutely fantastic barry thank you and hopefully we'll see you over at, see you over at essex some point if there's some games on i well eventually there will be i'm sure but in the meantime we can all dream we'll be back we will stay Thanks safe lot, look boys. after yourself and uh, thanks we'll boys. See you soon.